0: So you guys, last week, you remember we saw that all of the returning exiles were like hungry for God's word. Do you remember that? Last week, they wanted all that they could get of God. So much so that they were like, the, the walls built, we're safe inside, now it's time to dig in. And so what did they do? Remember? They commanded Ezra, the priest, they're like, get your behind up here and start telling us about God's word. Start teaching God's word to us. And we saw that they did every practical thing they could to make it ready, to get ready to hear what God had to say. And we talked a lot about that, right? They built the platform that he stood on along with some other leaders before they even asked him, you guys. And we talked about as a church how we need to do everything we practically can to prepare ourselves to hear God's word, didn't we? We looked at that. And some of that is, you guys, I got to tell you, worship. Worship. I've been asked before, you know, how many people have been to churches where you do a song and then you sit down and then you do another song and then you hear the announcements and then you do another song and then you do the tithes and offerings and then you do another song and then you hear a five-minute message and then you hear another song and then you're done. Anybody else been to a church like that? Just me? Okay, thank you. To me, I'll tell you why we do our worship up front because that is a time for us individually to get our hearts ready. It's a time where the Holy Spirit can say, you know what? Stop singing for a minute and actually think about what you're singing. You know what? Take a moment and repent of that thing that you know you know you did this week. Do you know what I mean? That's what worship is for me. It's not always about singing words. Sometimes it's about sitting quietly and, and just sitting there and being like, oh, God, God, purify my heart. God, I do want you to pour your spirit out on me, but yet I know my attitude right now is garbage. And so would you work those two things out? Do you know what I mean? That's what worship is for, you guys. And so that's part of preparing ourselves, readying ourselves for God's word. It's part of it. And so I want to encourage you, man, if you guys think worship is just garbage and you don't really want to deal with it, you're missing out on literally, literally 50% of what coming together is. You're missing out. So here we are, they're safely inside the walls. They asked Ezra to stand up and to teach, and how long did they listen? Six hours. <laughs> you guys, it would be any pastor's dream to be like, yo, get up here and don't stop until noon, and it's the break of dawn. Let's do this. <laughs> I, man, woo, that'd be awesome. They just wanted to know God's word. They were hungry for it, you guys, and Ezra taught. And we read that the Levites, they walked around and people were like, I don't get this part. And so the Levites were there and they were, they were interacting with them And they're like, man, what he's getting at is this. And they, they, they understood the scripture. They dug deeper than the words. They didn't want to just know words. Can I encourage you guys when you get into the word on your own? I always tell people this. Listen, my wife and I are doing totally different reading plans on our own. I might read three verses some weeks or some days, some, some days. <laughs> Right? Some days I might read three verses because I'm like, whoa, God just blew my stinking mind. Other days I might read a chapter and a half before God says something to me, but I read until I get something. Can I encourage you? If you're like, man, my time in the word is dry, stop reading it, trying to finish something and start reading it, wanting to hear from him. Now, why did I say that Grace and I run different things? She's doing the Bible in a year and that's really blessing her. So I'm not against that. But I'm saying, if you're like, dude, I'm dry as a cracker and my time in the word is, change it up. Don't be afraid of that. But I would say this, always come to his word with expectation. Don't ever walk into your quiet time with the Lord not expecting him to talk. Because I promise you, he wants to and he will. He will. As they did that, you guys, I want us to flip over. This is something that came to my mind as I was studying, Levi, or, uh, as the Levites were walking around, as they were
1: doing their thing, Psalm 119, flip over to Psalm 119 for me. It's one of the wicked long Psalms, right? Psalm 119
0: verse 101, I'm going to read this to you guys because it just kind of struck me as I was studying and thinking about, man, where were these guys at? Because We know, man, they they were mourning. They were doing all these things. But let's read Psalm 119. It says this, verse 101. It says, I have restrained my feet from every evil way that I may keep your word. I have not departed from your judgments for you yourself have taught me. You yourself have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts, I get understanding and therefore I hate every false way. You guys flip back over with me to Nehemiah. Here's the deal. We saw that after Ezra started reading the law that many of them started weeping. Why? Because Unlike the first two verses there that we read in Psalm, Psalm 101, uh, verse 101 and 102, they couldn't say, hey, I've been walking in your precepts, God. Hey, I've been keeping your law, Lord, I'm doing my... But they couldn't say any of that. And so they were broken by that. And can I say this? A realization of our sinfulness should always bring us to a place of brokenness. It should. God help you. If you're here tonight and you call yourself a Christian and you're just doing sin and not caring about it, that is a very scary place for you to be, Right? It should bring us to a place where we're broken, but we should not remain there, Christian. We should not remain there. Why? Because God pours out more grace. God pours out more grace on people that are seeking to know him. He pours that out on them. And so we see what they ended up saying, what the Levites, what Ezra all said to them. and like, hey, stop crying. Stop mourning this all. The joy of the Lord is your strength. We've been talking a lot about the joy of the Lord tonight, haven't we? It's interesting. Do you know why? Because we didn't talk about any of that. God just did that. I love that. I'm up there playing drums. I'm like, "Mm mm-hmm, that's right. (laughs) The name of the message tonight, you guys, is there's joy in obedience. There is joy in obedience. You guys, God pours out more grace. There's joy in his strength. And it's because of the truth of God's grace for them that they could and did say along with the psalmist, how sweet are your words to my taste. How sweet are they? That they could sit there and say, I hate my false ways more than your words. I don't want to continue walking down the path that I've been walking down. I want to change. God, I need you to do something in my heart. They could do that, you guys. Do you understand we can do the same thing? Yes, Sin should break us. We should realize, oh my gosh, Lord, I totally missed it again. Please help me, God. But it should also be poured in, our lives should be just poured out with the grace that God has for us to say, and I thank you that you forgave me and I wanna move on. Don't just sit there in your, and wallow around in your sin or in your depression. No, get out of it and walk in his grace and in the freedom and the joy that that brings you guys. We walk in that joy and the grace. And then lastly, remember we read in the book of Leviticus about the sacrificial goat and the scapegoat. You guys remember talking about that last week? You guys, we are set free by the final sacrifice, Jesus. We get to go free because of what he did. There is nothing for us to look at in our lives and not have joy in, even in the bad stuff, even in the stuff that's hard. We can have a joy that surpasses all understanding. We can. We can. Tonight, you guys, we're gonna be looking at the Feast of Tabernacles in depth. And we're going to get our heads around why all of this matters and what it all means to us and the importance of the point, you guys, that we do have joy in obedience to God. There's a joy there. Matthew Henry said this about joy and obedience. He said this, holy joy will be the oil to the wheels of our obedience. Holy joy will be the oil to the wheels of our obedience. I think that's a cool line. Because I need us to say something. Listen, when a Christian's walking around worried about God hammering them for everything they're doing, when a Christian's walking around wondering how much they can get away with before God's mad at them, a lot of Christians walk around those two ways, right? worried about obeying just because they don't really get a hold of God's grace and so they're afraid they're going to lose their salvation somehow, or they're afraid God's going to be mad at them and suddenly kick them out of the family of God. It's lacking. It's a completely lacking position to think that way because that is not what God's word says. Now, it does say we need to abide. It does say that. I'm not acting like you can just go have a free-for-all and do whatever you want. Come back Sunday. We're going to talk more about that, right? That that's not true. But the reality is, you guys, if you are abiding in Christ, if your sin is breaking your heart and you're bringing it to God, you walk in the freedom of grace. There is a joy there that you cannot pass. But if you don't walk that way and you're more worried about what you can get away with in your life and how long and how far you can go before God really, really rings your bell or does something crazy like that, well, then God's will for you is a punishment, isn't it? Because you're like I don't I don't really want to do that. I would rather just go get drunk. I don't really want to do that. I just want to keep having sex with my my you know girlfriend and my boyfriend. I don't really want to do that. I just want to literally swear my face off and act like a complete heathen when I'm around heathens. That's what I really want to do. If that's the life you're living, well then God's will is like a punishment to you. But you guys, when you get a hold of the joy that comes from God's grace and a life that is literally saying, God, I want what you want for my life. God, I want your will to be lived out through me, can I say this? We can count it all joy, even the hard stuff. It's awesome. It changes everything. So let's start reading. Verse 13 says this. Nehemiah 8, verse 13 says, Now, on the second day, the heads of the father's houses of all the people with the priests and the Levites were gathered to Ezra the scribe in order to understand the words of the law. And they found written in the law, which the Lord had commanded by Moses, that the children of Israel should dwell in booths during the feast of the seventh month. And that they should announce and proclaim it in all of their cities and in Jerusalem, saying, go out to the mountain and bring olive branches, branches of oil trees, myrtle branches, palm branches, and branches of leafy trees to make booths as it is written. So we see here that they were getting into the word not once, right? They didn't just like say, well, I mean, fine. It's, a se- it's the beginning of a new year. Remember we talked about that. The seventh month is their new year. This was not just something that they were doing because they wanted to just say, fine, we've got our Bible reading out of, the, out of the way for the year. And now we can just go about our business. No, they wanted genuine change. And so the second day, the very next day after they just spent at least six hours hearing the word of God and trying to get understanding, All of the heads of the families, those people that were supposed to be the ones that were leading and guiding their families in the way of the Lord. Men,
2: husbands, dads, are you hearing this? You're supposed to be leading your homes.
1: They're all getting together. Why? Because they're like, we want to gain
0: deeper understanding of what's going on in God's Word. We want to understand. We want to to plumb the depths. You guys, can I I just tell you something? God will always give you something, but I promise you this. Don't, I've heard people say this. I've heard people say, yeah, I won't say who. (laughs) I've heard people say to me, like, well, I've already read the Bible three times. Great. Read it again. It's, you're never done. You've never hit bottom. You can't. This is God's Word. Do you think God's that small? No, get in it, stay in it, read every last bit of it, chew on it, swallow it, come back to it later and realize that God has more for you in it. And more, and more, and more until the day you die. You're never gonna hit the bottom, keep reading. And so that's what they did, they came in and they're like, look, we just spent six hours. We're gonna spend more time in it. We wanna know more. They wanted to understand and walk in obedience and they sat there and they studied it, they dug in. And as they studied, they came across this passage that told them, hey, you're supposed to celebrate right now. And what are they celebrating, you guys? What is the Feast of Booths? What is the Feast of Tabernacles? It's celebrating the time that they were in the desert walking around for 40 years and how God put a hand of protection around them while they were there, how they were led, you guys, by the cloud by day and the fire by night, right? All of these things and the ways that God kept them in spite of the fact that they were entirely without in so many ways. Now, I say that, but remember, what else did God do for them? Poured out manna. What does manna mean? What is it? Because they didn't even know how to describe what it was. God poured that out. God had all these quails just show up every morning. I'm like, I don't know how that's how they sound. I don't know. Right? I guess it's more, I have no idea. And they're like, they go out in the morning, like break their little neck and be like, all right, we got this. We got food for the day. Remember? Look at what God did for them for 40 years. We read about this in Leviticus 23. Flip over with me to Leviticus 23. For some of you guys, this is probably the most you've ever been to Leviticus in your life. <laughs> Leviticus chapter 23, verse 33 through 44 is what we're gonna read. This is God literally telling them, hey man, this is what I want you to do. This is the, the Feast of Tabernacles. It says this. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the children of Israel saying, the 15th day of the seventh month shall be the Feast of Tabernacles for seven days to the Lord. On the first day, uh, there shall be a holy convocation. You shall do no customary work on it. For seven days, you shall offer an offering made by fire to the Lord. On the eighth day, you shall have a holy convocation and you shall offer an offering made by fire to the Lord. It is a sacred assembly and you shall do no customary work on it. These are the feasts of the Lord, which you shall proclaim to be holy convocations, to offer an offering made by fire to the Lord. What does that mean? It means it completely burned up. You're not getting anything out of
1: that. It's done, right? Where am I at?
0: Verse 37, I'll read there again. These are feasts of the Lord, which you shall proclaim to be holy convocations, to offer an offering made by fire to the Lord, a burnt offering and a grain offering, a sacrifice and a drink offerings, everything on its day. In other words, each and every day had different offerings. Beside the Sabbaths of the Lord, besides your gifts, besides all your vows, and besides all your free will offerings, which you give to the Lord also, on the 15th day of the seventh month, when you have gathered in the fruit of the land, you shall keep the feast of the Lord for seven days. And on the first day, there shall be a Sabbath rest. And on the eighth day, a Sabbath rest. And you shall take for yourselves on the first day, the fruit the fruit of the beautiful trees, branches of palm trees, and the boughs of leafy trees and willows of the brook. And you shall rejoice before the Lord your God for seven days. You shall keep it as a feast to the Lord for seven days in the year. It shall be a statute forever in your generations. You shall celebrate it in the seventh month. You shall dwell in booths for seven days. All who are native Israelites shall dwell in booths. That your generations may know that I made the children of Israel dwell in booths when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. So Moses
1: declared to the children of Israel the feast of the Lord. You guys... That's what they read. That's
0: what they came across when they were studying. Think about this. These elders, these priests, just at the right time, found this. Here they are on the second day of the seventh month. Guess what that gives them? Gives them about a week and a half to two weeks to prep, doesn't it? Just at the right time, they find this written in the law. They're like, oh, wait a minute. We haven't been doing that. The Feast of Booze, what's that about? takes place from the 15th to the 22nd day of the seventh month. They had about two weeks to prepare. Isn't that kind of cool how God does that? Do you know what's really even cooler? If they would never have gotten into the word in the first place,
1: guess what they would have missed this year? You guys, too often as Christians, we complain that God's not speaking.
0: And yet we're not spending any time talking to him. We're not spending any time listening to him. Right, Because it's not just about praying, you guys. Praying is important. Prayer is important. But it's as, it's as important to be in his word and to listen. And that's not a legalistic thing, you guys. It's a two-way conversation. Next time you talk to God, think about it like you're talking to your wife or your husband or your best friend or whoever. If you talk to God like a lot of people do, then you're like this. Hello, how are you? I'm good. Yeah, and I need this and I need that and I need this and I need that. Okay, bye. Really? You're not going to be friends with many people very long. They'll be like, dude, first off, you're self-centered. Second off, shut up for a second and let me talk. <laughs> <laughs> right? You don't even know who I am anymore because you're too busy talking. Yeah. But we do that with God sometimes, don't we? Yeah. And I'm guilty of it too. I'm not acting like I've got this all figured out. And listen, God is good with the popcorn prayer. God is good with those days when you're running out the door and you're like, oh, God, would you please? Because, oh, oh, my gosh, Lord, today. But don't end it there. That's my encouragement to you. Take time during the day to get away or take a moment and just say, Lord, talk to me. Listen, we all have cell phones. Well, (laughs) except for one person that I know that has a flip phone, (laughs) right? And the reality is, though, nothing against that because I know he's getting in the word, right? But here's my thing for the rest of us. (laughs) We have phones that we can download an app and get in the word, can't we? We really don't have a reason. And even if you're like, I'm at work all day, Mm -hmm. carve out five seconds and spend some time with God. Carve out five minutes and just say, I'm just going to take a moment and take something in. Chew on that. Think about it. You know, it's good, you guys. It's needed. And so here they are. They're reading. They're digging in. They're like, Lord, show us what's up. And God's like, bam, here you go. Here you go. I've got something for you. It's literally as teed up as it can be. It's like a golfer that's like, just sends it flying because it's like, it's ready. You got plenty of time, get it done. And they do. They have weeks to prepare and you know what they did? They got to it. They were so hungry for God's word. They wanted to walk in obedience and they're like, here's something we can do right now. Let's do it. They didn't just want to know it academically. Do you understand? And they weren't just doing this whole Feast of Booze things because they're like, well, okay, yeah, so then we're going to do it and then God's going to love us more. No, they're doing it because they're like, God said to do this. And man, we are the ones that get the opportunity and the privilege to do that because we're the only ones that came back. Do you understand? We've talked about Ezra and Nehemiah a million times in this light. These books are about the people that got off their rusty dusties and got uncomfortable and went and sought God and didn't stay comfortable back in Babylon. And so here they are, and they're like, We want more. Church, is that our hearts? Like we talked about last week, are we that hungry? I wanna be. I want us to be that hungry. I do because I feel like God is going to move mightily and wants to move mightily. And he's waiting on people that are willing and ready to say, I'm ready. Let's do this,
1: God. And that's what we see here. And guys, that's my heart for us. That's it's what I want. For us to,
0: to stop with our games of like, well, you know, I mean, I think it says that. But I found one scholar that said it. It doesn't really say like that. Really? Good for you. Good for you. What's God telling you? If He's telling you something and you don't like what you hear, guess what? Suck it up, buttercup, and deal with it. You don't get to switch it around in your head. You don't get to tell God what's up. He tells you what's up and you deal with it. Yeah. That's the way it goes. It's just the truth. Listen, if that's unloving, I'm sorry, but it's the most loving thing I think I can actually say to you guys. And it's the same thing
1: I tell myself when I come across things in the word that I'm like, right? Don't we all? So as they do that, they come across a celebration. And I need us to hear this, you guys. This had not been celebrated
0: since Joshua was in charge. From Moses, who was after
1: Moses? Do you guys remember? Joshua. (laughs) It wasn't done since Joshua. This had not been done.
0: This was literally an archaic forgotten about. I mean, literally forgotten about.
1: They had to come across and be like, whoa, wait a minute. What's this? Think about that. They get to celebrate these guys right here, right now, these
0: people that got uncomfortable and went and traveled the four month journey, the dangerous journey across the entire desert to get. back to Jerusalem, which was ruined and tore down. And here they are now. And they've got a rebuilt temple and they've got rebuilt walls in Jerusalem and they've got all the safety. And they're like, this is what we want. God, we want to press into you. And as they do that, they come across this. And I need us to hear this again. Here is God saying, you know what? I want you to remember you guys that just came across the desert in complete fear, right? In complete concern and doing all these things you people who got back to a ruined city and rebuilt it from scratch, I want you to remember that I kept your ancestors completely safe through the desert for 40 years. I want you to remember that I kept them and guided them. I want you to remember that even though they left up the absolute security, quote unquote, of Egypt, because what were they in Egypt? Slaves. But do you understand there was a level of security? There's a level of security in that. I'm not trying to make anything out of that. What I'm getting at is they had houses. They had lives that they knew. Even if those lives were not good, they were still lives that they knew that were not on the other side of the Red Sea where they get to the Red Sea and they're like, what is happening right now? How are we crossing this? Oh, we're crossing over on dry land. And then they get to the other side and they're like, what do we do now? Do you get my point? There's security that they left to go and be free. That's what he's wanting them to celebrate, you guys. And if you notice, the whole point of this feast brought them back to a place where they were giving up all of their comforts again. They didn't get to work on the first and the eighth day of this celebration. Not working for them meant no food for them. Not working for them meant a lot of things. This wasn't like just like us where we're like, oh, I got some sick leave, I'll take it. It wasn't like that. If you took a day off, you lost that day. And not only were they supposed to give one up, they had to give two up. The first and the last days were giving up. And on top of that, you guys, I don't know if you read that or heard that when we were reading it, but they're supposed to give away the stuff that they had already. So God, you're telling me you don't want me to work for two days out of this whole seven-day feast. And on top of that, you want me to give stuff away? Are you serious right now? I don't have enough as it is. And that's exactly what God wanted them to do. And that's what he wanted them to do every year to remind them. It's not, don't rely on your own self, rely on me. Don't think that you're bringing in the big dough, you're bringing in the bucks, you're doing all this stuff. No, know that I'm giving it to you. You guys, it's a good reminder for all of us. It really is. You realize you could lose your job in a day? My wife did lose her job in a day. She got it back and now they just told her she might lose it again. Yay! And guess what? You know what's so cool about that? She lost her job earlier, and then she got a job that gave her a big raise. And so through all of these things over the past two or three years, do you know where Grace and I are? And I'm not saying this to brag. I'm just being really honest. The first time we were like, good Lord, what are you doing? Oh, Lord, help us. We, how, you know, we're freaked out. The second time we're like, well, all right. (laughs) Now we're just like, this is funny. Because it is. It's like, God, you're good. You've got this. We have zero worries about this. But it's ridiculous. Because it's almost like the enemy's like, oh, yeah, watch that. Oh, that one's not working anymore. Got to find another pinch point, another pain point for you. It's not a bad thing when, you, when the enemy wears out a pain point for you. Because you're just like, I got it. God's got it. It's not a worry. I've got total trust that God has this. That's a good thing, you guys. These feasts for them were meant to teach them that every year, a reminder God has got this, not you. God has got this. How amazing is it? These returning exiles who gave up everything to follow God are now walking in closer fellowship to God than they had ever been. And now they get this opportunity to come to a place of obedience to God and celebrate what God had done in the past, but really, if you think about it, was doing in the moment with them. Do you understand? Think about it. This celebration It's why I didn't cover it last week because I wanted to just hone in on it just a little bit. Do you understand how sweet and special this had to be for them? So many of these people that had never even seen Jerusalem and they come back and they're like, this is something that hasn't been done since
1: Joshua. And we get to do it. Can I say that it's no different for us walking with God today?
0: When we choose to press into him, and his word, and we don't view prayer and time in the word and church and Bible studies and any other avenue that God gives you to grow with him as a chore, but instead view it as a privilege and an honor, can I, can I tell you something that I guarantee? We will see God move in a mighty and amazing way in our lives. We
1: will. I want that for us. And guess what? I can't control anybody
0: but this guy. And you can't control anybody but you. But I promise you, if an entire group of people in the Seacoast area start really getting a hold of this and saying, God, I want more of you. I want more of you. And that doesn't mean showing up every time the church doors are open. But what it does mean is coming in with an anticipation of what God's going to do when you come into the church. It means gathering not just inside these four walls because this is not the church, you guys. This is just what we call Great Bay Calvary Church. The church is us. When we start looking at the church as us and saying, God, work on this temple right here, get a hold of me, change my life. And you start hanging out outside of these four walls and you're like, dude, this matters in my life more than any other thing. Your friends might start looking around and being like, what the heck? You're annoying me. Well, Oh, well, come with me. Come and be annoying with me. Get a hold of God. Understand that Jesus is literally everything. Get a hold of that fact. Understand it. Do you guys, I I hear a lot of people. I hear a lot of pastors. I myself have said, man, I want to be like the Axe Church. I want that. I want 3,000 people in one day to come to the Lord. Why? Not because I want to grow this church big. No, because we're going to be spreading them out. Why? Why? Because I want people to see something that is so profoundly different, so awkward and weird and different from what the world's doing that they're like, I don't know what to do with that, but I kind of want to know more about it. And that's what
2: I see going on here. That's what I want to see with us. I need us to hear something
1: tonight when we're going through all this and we're talking about this joy and obedience can I say
0: one thing that tonight is not about it's not about God's will for your life I need you to hear that because his will for you we know it's for you to know him more and more and more that's his will for you do you understand Because a lot of people are like, well, I don't really know. And I just, you know, I don't, I just, I don't, I don't understand. And I mean, I've got all these like commitments and I've got all this stuff going on and I just don't know how to deal with my life. And I just don't really know where God has for me. And, and, and my simple answer to that, now I'm not acting like those aren't real questions, but what I'm getting at is the simple answer is press in. He wants that for you. He wants that for me. Press in. Look at your schedule and say, Lord, is this an open or a closed door? Closed door, okay. I won't go that night. Wednesday night, an open door or a closed door. Open door, I'm going.
1: Time at Bible study. Do it. Don't beat yourself up. If, beat yourself up if you can't, but don't miss out
0: either. Do you understand what I'm getting at? Do you understand that this is not too many people are like, oh, is it comfortable that I go on Sunday mornings? Yes, it is. Do not forsake the fellowshiping of the saints. If you can't make it Sunday, come Wednesday. It's not about the day. Do you understand? Do you get where I'm going with all this? We get all wrapped around the axle and we try to make things more spiritual than sometimes they are because the reality is God wants to know you more and more and more and more. And you have one choice to make, and that is this, to get to know him more and more and more. That's always going to be God's will for your life. There's never a question there. And that's a question that they were not asking. They weren't sitting here and being like, Well, Lord, I know that we haven't done this since Joshua. And so, I mean, what is your will exactly? Do you want every tree you mentioned there? Or is it okay if we just take some timbers that are left over and laying around here? Like, how do you want us to do it? Do you get the difference? One is saying, What's the least I've got to do? And the other one's saying,
1: God, what are you saying? I want to do it. That's what I'm trying to get at.
0: The question is always, How do you view obedience to his will? Is obedience a chore? If you think of it as a chore, I promise you, it will be. And the unfortunate truth of that is, is that you're gonna miss
1: out. Why? Because your heart's not right.
2: God's will is a joy.
1: It is. If you desire to know more God more deeply, can I, if you understand that and, and, and like let
0: God become your first passion, I promise you you're going to look at everything and be like, "God, I have no idea why we're doing this, but it's cool. Let's do it." And I'm not acting like everything's easy. No. Was Jesus's life easy? Was the disciples' life easy? Was anyone was Paul's life easy? No. None of these guys' lives were easy. It's not what I'm asking. It's not what I'm saying. We're going to get what I'm saying is we're going to get the joy of the profound mystery of just walking it out with God and seeing him do these amazing things
1: through our lives. We get to be a part of something
2: bigger than us. Verse 16.
1: Then the people went out and brought them and made themselves booths, each
0: one on the roof of his house or in their courtyards or the courts of the house of God and in the open square of the water gate and in the open square of the gate of Ephraim. So the whole assembly of those who had returned from the captivity made booze and set under the booze. For since the days of Joshua, the son of Nun, until the day of the children of Israel, had not, until that day, the children of Israel had not done so. And there was a great, a very great gladness. You guys, we see that when they learned what they Had to learn when they learned. Like I got a couple weeks to do this, they got to it. They began to build the booze, and it was a long and laborious task. And they had to go up and understand this. They had to go up, right? Load up their backhoe with a bunch of things and drag it all down in one shot. No, not at all. They had to go up and drag stuff back from the hill, back from the mountain, one after the other, after the other. They had to keep doing this, and they began and they built the booze. All these branches all the stuff they were gonna need to build these things. And I need you to see this. It says the whole assembly in verse 17 took part. You know what that means? The men, the women, and the children, everybody, everybody. Just like we saw when Ezra was teaching, everybody was there that could understand anything, listening, trying to understand deeper, same thing here. They're like, we're gonna be obedient and everybody's getting in it. Nobody's missing Do you guys understand the value of being part of a real body of Christ? Do you understand that as a church? Do you understand the value of that, of seeing everybody get involved in something? It's beautiful. It might seem silly to you guys that we ask for full-size candy bars, but can I just say something? We have, like, a lot of full-size candy bars. So many. So I, we, listen, join us in prayer for a lot of kids. I'm for real. And I know some dentists are going to be like, whoa, yes, because there's going to be a lot of rotten teeth, probably. But the fact is, is do you know why we did that? Because I want, I want, down the road, I want for us to be known that, man, it's like, come there, they've got this. But the bigger thing is they've got Jesus. And we get to talk to people about it. People that maybe would never come otherwise. Because I promise you guys, there is no uh, grapevine like a grade school grapevine, is there? <laughs> there is no grapevine like a grade school grapevine. He has cooties, did you know? He has cooties. She both and him have cooties. They all have cooties. Everybody has cooties but me. Right? It just keeps going. You guys, it's the same with, it, man, listen, if they know that our church has full-size candy bars, I promise you it'll spread around every school. Promise. I want that. Why? Because I want more parents and I want more kids to come in and see, wait a minute, church isn't what I thought it was. Church isn't some stuffy place. Church isn't full of people that that really just hate our guts and and don't want anything to do with anybody that hacks secular at all. No, I want them to see that we're just human beings living our lives, but we've got something so much better, Jesus, to share with them. Do you guys see the value of this? When families... Together, choose to prioritize the body of Christ. Again, both inside this building and outside the building. It's not just about showing up to church on Sunday with your family. It's about living a life that's shining Christ in every facet of your life. And it has a real effect on kids' lives. I've got to say that. And the truth is, there's a special thing that God does when adults choose to be obedient, not just in church on Sunday, putting on their church face, but actually say, you know what? God really is making a change in my life. And so I'm gonna live that out, regardless of what my kids think, regardless of what my spouse thinks, regardless of what anybody else, all my friends, whoever thinks that, I promise you your kids are looking. They are, your kids are watching. They're looking and seeing what you prioritize and what you don't. It's a fact. I can say that with ease because all my kids are adults. What do I mean by that? Because I made a lot of mistakes, as we all do. So I'm not acting like I've got it all figured out up here. And if I could go back and do a lot of things, I would. Redo them, I would. Because I missed out on those opportunities. But if you've got kids that are young right now, man, grab a hold of that right now, because now's your opportunity. Don't miss out on it. Listen, when we see a whole group of people actively engaging God, I promise you, people around notice, and God does something amazing in it. And that's what we see here. Everyone was actively engaging and preparing to celebrate. Imagine these kids that are up dragging branches down doing all these things. Now imagine that The next generation later when they've got their own kids and they're walking up there and you know what? Grandpa took me up here and we grabbed these things and we got to be the first people. We got to be the first ones that came back and did that. And now you get to partake in this too, son. You get to partake in this too, daughter. Like, let's be a part of this. How cool is this? How awesome is this? Do you see the generational change that begins to happen as we, as adults now, say, God, make my life different now because I don't want the next generation to miss out on that. Next generation, guess what? You get to pick that too, right? It's a choice. I'm thankful, to be honest. I didn't follow in my parents' footsteps because my life would look very different right now. I'm thankful that God got a hold of my heart. So we're all just one generation from massive change in our lives. Do you understand? But what an awesome example it is to see a family that's just walking it out for the Lord. It's awesome.
1: Verse 18 says this. Also, day by day, from
0: the first day until the last day, he read from the book of the the law of God. So it kept being read. It kept being poured out over their lives and they kept the feast seven days and on the eighth day, there was a sacred assembly according
1: to the prescribed manner. You guys get your head around the beauty of this
2: moment. A people that were like, I, I wanna know God's word. I wanna hear it
0: and I wanna know it. I don't just wanna know it up here. I want it to sink deep. I want it to change who I am. To understand it. And then as they, as they dug in and as they studied, they're like, hey, this is an awesome practical opportunity for us to obey it. And they obeyed it. And God brought them back to this place of rest and reliance upon him, I think, in a way that could not have been done if they had not come across this passage. Do you understand? You guys, how often do we miss out in our walks with him? Because we're not pressing in and taking the
1: time to hear what he has to say. You guys, this is something that they had been prescribed
0: to do for many years, many, many years, and they hadn't been doing it, and here they are. They get the amazing privilege of getting it started again, coming back and saying, this is it. This is what we want to do. We want to do what you've called us to, God. And even as they were doing it, they're still like, we want to know more. Keep feeding us the word. Keep explaining it. Keep, we want to dig in. We want to never stop growing. But the fact is, is that all of this that we just read started. Why? Because they had a hunger to understand his word to begin with. What things does God have for us that are only waiting for us to have a deeper hunger for his word? What things are there that he's like, I've got something lined up for you. Just get hungry enough to ask me about it. Get hungry enough to go digging. And find it. I've got something for you. I think it's an amazing thing that we get to partake in the things that God shows us. And I don't know about you, but man, I just, I don't ever want to stop learning and growing and saying, God, what, what's next? What else you got for me? What other conversation might I have to have that I'm not ready for, but that I will be ready for because this morning I'm going to get in the Word and read? Do you understand? What things, God, do you have for me to do that I need to be in your word to understand? When we begin to prioritize time with God and time with other believers and time together, understanding his word, fellowshipping one with another, I gotta say, I think God's gonna do something amazing in our lives when we get there. And so tonight, you guys, I wanna spend some time. We have like 10 minutes. I want to break into some small groups. Two, three, four people max. Please don't waste a lot of time because here's the things. Ready? These are the things that I want us to ask God for. That God would revive a hunger for his word in our hearts. Because I don't ever think we're hungry enough.
1: I want us to ask him to revive a desire to know him more in us. I want to ask God, for us to ask God to revive in us a right heart towards his
0: will. That we would have joy in obedience instead of looking at it as a chore. And you guys each know where you're at with that. Right? And if you're anything like me, most days, to be honest with you, over the past, say, three years, I've really enjoyed trying to find God's will and doing it and do it. But that doesn't mean it's every day there's days when I wake up and I'm like, yeah, I'd rather just stay in bed all day, God. And God's like, get your, get up and get moving. I got plans for you today. So it's a day-to-day thing, isn't it? It's something that we continue to go back to God and say, God, revive in me these things. God, revive in me a heart to see your will being done in my life. And so let's just take some time and I'll, I'll close this out in prayer. Would you guys bow your heads with me?
2: Man, Lord, we we really do want to see you move. So God, I'm asking, Lord, would you, and I know, God, you've heard these prayers. You've heard each of our hearts. So Lord, now we're just trusting that you're going to do something. I'm asking, God, I'm, I'm praying, God. We were back there praying, Lord, for just revival
0: to come into our own hearts, Lord, but not just us, God. I want to see this world revived for you. And Jesus, you told us that the, the fields are ripe, but the workers are few, God. I'm asking, Father, get our hearts ready to do the work that you have for us, but God, bring more workers. Revive us, do a work in us now, I pray. Have your way in us now, God, in Jesus' name. Amen.
2: Thanks so much for listening to this message from Great Bay Calvary Church in Dover, New Hampshire. We're so glad you found us. If you want to learn more about our services or need prayer for something going on in your life, come connect with us at greatbaycalvary.com.